but Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we know this verse, but I want to bring your eyes to them so we can uh, follow together. Hebrews 11 and verse number 6, the Word of God says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that, what's that next word? Diligently seek Him. As we keep that thought in mind, the Bible speaks of without faith, so it is faith that is necessary to diligently seek the Lord. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I've shared with you before, I've been kind of plugging my way through the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, Deuteronomy is not one of those books that you can hardly just read through once and say, man, I got so much out of it. Uh, you really just have to take the time to read it and soak it all in. Uh, but I've been reading through the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy, and with this thought in mind of diligently seeking the Lord, um, it is Moses who we know to be the writer of this uh, book of the Bible, and uh, it is this thought that he dwells upon, diligently seeking the Lord. Uh, let's, let us look together in uh, Deuteronomy 4 and verse 29. The Bible says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. And if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That's a worthy verse of marking if you haven't marked it in your Bible. The Bible says, if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord. In Hebrews, the Bible tells us that uh, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But what's important in Deuteronomy 4.29 is the word if. In fact, I've taken parentheses and put them around the word if. Because it's not, a, it's not an if God will. It's an if we will diligently seek God. The answer is not, will God help me, or will God bless me, or will God be there for me? No, the answer is already known. The, the, the question is, if we will, if we will seek God. And the Bible tells us if we will seek the Lord, there is no doubt that we will find Him. And that seeking is the very idea of diligently seeking Him. We're seeking Him with all our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Our very being is seeking the Lord. And it is Moses who touches on this idea because all throughout the, the fourth chapter, he gives um, a, a challenge and a warning and a remembrance to the people of God's working within their life, His judgment within their life, and His character as a whole. And uh, although the, the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy is very large, I do not intend to read the whole chapter tonight, uh, nor will we be through the entire chapter, but I want to highlight to you uh, that which um, the writer is trying to bring to the reader. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4 and verse number 1, Now therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live. And go and possess the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. I want to bring your attention to the beginning of verse 1, where the Bible says, Now therefore hearken. Now therefore hearken. Look over at verse number 4, if you would. The Bible says, But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you, this day. Behold, I have taught you of the statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land which ye go to possess it. Verse 6, Keep, therefore, and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding. In the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. We've seen thus far, hearken. Verse 6, the Bible tells us to keep. Notice verse 9, the Bible says, Only take heed. 
to thyself. And keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. So here's the next thing, to take heed. And he tells us yet in the fourth thing in verse 9, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. It is these four things which I believe that Moses is drawing to summary in verse 29. It is when we hearken, when we keep, when we take heed, when we teach that we are truthfully and honestly and genuinely before God and diligently seeking Him with all of our heart. And it is when we seek God that we will find Him. But the question again is, if we seek Him. Let me ask you, Christian, are you seeking the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? It is uh, not to be any doubt that God is there, but it is to be a doubt as a result of our sin nature that we are serving and obeying and seeking the Lord. As we would dwell upon these thoughts a little bit further, uh, let me draw you back to verse number 1, where that first um, challenge is given to uh, to us where he says now therefore hearken hear these things hear the commands of God hear that which God has commanded you to do if you uh, would uh, read Deuteronomy chapter 1 and through verse 3 you would find that Moses is giving a review of much of the journey that the children of Israel have taken thus far in fact just at the end of chapter 3 do we find in fact look at it, it together with me if you would the Bible says in verse 24 O Lord God thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might I pray thee, let me go over and see the good uh, land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. It, it is Moses who's pleading before God because now at this time the children of Israel have been wandering in, in the wilderness and Moses being with them, not being allowed to go into the uh, promised land. It is Moses who now comes before God and asks God, Lord, will you allow me to go? Verse uh, 26, but the Lord was wroth uh, with me for your sakes and would not hear me and the Lord said unto me let it suffice thee speak no more unto me of this matter again he's speaking to the children of Israel concerning that which how he responded to God look at verse 27 get thee up into the top of Pisgah and lift thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and behold it with thine eyes for thou shalt not go over the Jordan Remember, we just talked together this past Sunday night about going from Jordan over into Gilgal. This is what he's referring to. Verse 28, but charge Joshua, here's the new leader, okay, and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Beth, Beth Peor. And it is then that we find in chapter 4 that he begins with those two words, the beginning that we would find uh, of a challenge being given. It is the words, therefore, that we find Paul also using a number of times when speaking to the churches as he uh, begins in introduction, but now he's saying, therefore, now knowing all these things, understanding that which you have done in disobedience to God, understanding which I, that which I have done in disobedience to God, God's judgment, God's love, yet God's uh, second chance in giving Joshua to rise up. He says, now therefore, here's the first thing here, the commands of God. Christian, it is our responsibility that we hear 
God's commands, that we hear His commands. Turn to Leviticus chapter 18, if you would. Leviticus 18. Keep your finger in Deuteronomy. Leviticus 18. And um, uh, we'll look together in verse number 5. Almost forgot where Leviticus was there for a moment. I was turning the wrong way. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 18 and verse number 5. The Bible says, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, notice, if a man do, if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So what do we find of uh, a person who is hearing the commands of God? Well, hearing, number one, hearing is living. Hearing is living. You hear the commands of God, you're going to be living in the commands of God. Amen? Truly hearing is living in them. Truly hearing is abiding by them. We're being a hearer and a doer of the word. We're being as a wise man who built his house upon a rock. That's where the illustration is given by God himself to be a hearer and a doer of God's word. A hearer and a doer of God's commands. The Bible tells us that hearing is living. Let me ask you, Christian, are you seeking to live by God's word to your fullest? Diligently seeking the Lord is, is being a hearer and a doer. You're living by it. When you know God to command against uh, areas of separation, you're choosing then to keep yourself separated. When you uh, know of God's command to obey Him and serve Him in specific areas of your life, it is then that you are obeying and serving Him in those areas of your life. It is diligently seeking God that is an individual who is hearing and living. Number two, hearing is victorious. Hearing is victorious. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We just studied together in the book of 1 John with one another. If, you're, if your Bible is like mine, uh, it's, it should be well marked up in the, because it is here that we just studied together. 1 John 5 and verse 4. The Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. Remember, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. We diligently seek the Lord by faith. So the Bible tells us in 1 John 5 that our faith, when we have, choose to have a faith life, it is victorious. Hearing is a victorious life. When you choose to hear God's commands and you do God's commands, it is then that you have the guarantee that God gives you victory. Amen? We cannot be expected to have the victory in the Christian life, in the journey of the Christian life, should I say, if we are not obeying the Lord. I'm not talking about the overall victory. We know that Satan's already lost and, and that, uh, that the battle has already been won by Christ. Amen? We already know that. But I'm talking about the journey of the Christian life. That journey through what sometimes in the Christian life feels like a wilderness. That journey in the Christian life that we have to make the choices of life and which path that we're going to go and whether or not we're going to diligently see God or not. And by faith, the Bible tells us, when we choose to have faith in God, believing that when we obey His commands, that He will bless, that He will give us the victory, that, uh, that this is the hearer of God's commands. Hearing is living. Hearing is victorious. Number three, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, hearing is not grievous. Look at verse number 3, just the previous verse of 1 John. 1 John 5, verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. 
is the commands of God, again, that we are told by Moses to hearken unto, to hear God's commands. God is speaking to us, and how is he speaking to us? He speaks to us through his word. He's given us clear commands on what to obey and how to obey, and it is we who must hear by living it out. We must hear with the assurance of knowing that we will have victory, and we must hear without letting his commands be burdensome to us. It is with the understanding tonight that a true obeyer of God's word, a true obedience to God's word and his commands is not letting his commands become burdensome to us. Oh no, God's asking me to do this with my life? <laughs> oh no, you want me to quit this job or you want me to move this place or you want me to do this thing? It is, it is the commands of God that when hearing them and when knowing that what they are, that by faith we're trusting the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm believing you that in my obedience to your commands, you're going to help me to be brought to victory. Even when, if I were to trust in my own flesh, it would seem burdensome. You see, it is when the non-Christian looks at the commands of God that they say, wow, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that with my life because you know what? His commands are grievous. They're they're burdensome. You you read First Corinthians chapter three. The Bible says that it is the world's wisdom that is foolishness. It's the world that looks at the things of God and says, "Wow, those things are foolish." But it is the wisdom of God when we look at the things of God and the commands of God and we say, "Wow, I can be victorious through Christ." when I choose to obey Him. Amen? The Bible tells us that we must hear His commands. Number two, back in Deuteronomy 4, the Bible tells us we must keep His commands. And why? For a testimony. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 4, verse 5, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land, whether ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. He's reiterating, really, here. He's saying, be a hearer and a doer. But notice, he says, for this is your wisdom. There's that word again, the wisdom of God. This is your wisdom and your understanding. In the sight of the nations, the word of God continues, which shall hear all these statutes. And here's what they'll say. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great? Who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that has statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? It is when we choose to hear God's commands, obey God's commands, that when we do so, now we have a testimony of Christ. Amen? Amen. And that others will see us and they say, wow, your God did that? Do you remember Jonah? Jonah, as after, before he'd been swallowed by the whale, you remember all the different men who were there on the ship together with him. They knowing the seas, fearing for their life whenever the storm came, and yet the, yet the whale has not come, and, and the lot falls on Jonah, and they find out that the reason why all this has happened to them is because of Jonah himself, and it is they who say, everyone pray to your God, lowercase g. But it is then at the end of chapter 1 that if you go back and you study it, you will find, wow, they say this truly is God, Jehovah. It is then by the testimony of Jonah, even after his disobedience, that when realizing and acknowledging before others that 
he serves God Jehovah. And that when that whale came and swallowed him and the storm completely stopped, it's saying, wow, this could only be the God of all the universe. This could only be God Jehovah. Amen. Let me tell you, Christian, when you hear and obey the commands of God, the tremendous impact it can have on others is beyond even what I could explain. But let me tell you this with assurance, that others will see God working in your life. Yeah. Others will see it. Yeah. Others will see you obeying. Others will see you uh, hearing. I shared with you a few weeks ago how that I spoke with my neighbor, having just met with him, met him, and he knowing that I was a pastor, how he knew, uh, uh, I can only but suspect by one of the comments which he said, he said, oh, by the way, you look pretty good in a suit, and uh, meaning that he's been watching me. You know, that's not to say that my testimony is so great, look at what, but, but here, here's to say this, that in my obedience to God and coming to the house of God, that others are seeing that. And you know what he said after that? He said, you know what? He's like, I, I, I'm not a, he, he more or less told me, I'm not a Christian. He didn't use those words. He used a lot of choice words. But uh, he said, I'm not a Christian. Uh, but he said, I'm glad to have you here. That, the testimony of Christ. Amen. You say, well, that's just because you're a pastor. Let me tell you, it's not just because I'm a pastor. But when, when others know that Christ is in your life, you know what you'll find? When you choose to obey God and, you, and, you may, and you're seeking Him, diligently seeking Him with all your heart, you will find that even the non-Christian will come to you and they'll say this, Hey, buddy, will you pray for me? How many of you ever had that happen to you? Yeah, that's the testimony of Christ. That's the power of God's testimony. When you obey the Lord and you diligently seek Him and you let the testimony of Christ be evidently seen in your life, you are making an impact in this world. Now, that is not to say that we stop making an effort to give the gospel, but may that be a means and an opportunity to share the gospel. Amen? Yeah. That we would then take it a step further and say, yes, I can pray for you, but I can do even better for you. Let me tell you about the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. What an opportunity that is. Hey, and by the way, if somebody ever asked you to pray for them, I would encourage you this. Pray for them right then and right there. Mm -hmm. the, the, I, I learned this uh, myself in my... <laughs> I call it mistake when people come to me and say, hey, will you pray for me? That, that I don't pray with them right then and there. Clearly, it's a burden on their heart and that's something they're wanting to pray about. So in order for me to remember in my prayer life, I choose to pray at that point in time. And I would say the same to you. When God grants you the opportunity to pray for someone else and they ask you to pray for them, pray with them right then and there. But the testimony of Christ... You know, by the way that you dress, the way that you talk, the way you respond when you're angry, the way you respond to your boss, the way you respond when you're laid off, the way you respond uh, when, when uh, you know, uh, something difficult happens in your life. Others will see how you respond to that. Others see when you're not at your home and you're at church. Others see that you, you choose to carry yourself and to respond to the things of life the way that you do. Others see whether or not you choose to give thanks to God, whether it be over your food or even over the small things in life. Others see that. Hey, do, do, the, do your co-workers know that you are a praying individual? That you, get, that you even talk with the Lord and give praise to God even in, in your workplace? That's not easy to do, but uh, uh, boy, what a tremendous impact that makes to others. Um, I remember uh, when I was in college, I worked at a um, uh, 
I always call it a detailed car wash, because if I just say a car wash, everyone's like, wow, you worked in a car wash. No, it's a detailed car wash. You could do a bumper to bumper, $120. We would you know, wax four different times uh, the car. We would scrub the carpet, and uh, we would clean your seat. If you need me to clean your car, just let me know. I'm kidding. But uh, we would do a detailed car wash, and there were only two different types of people that worked at that car wash. There were those college students from the Bible college, which I attended, and uh, a bunch of convicts who just got out of jail, you know, and or should probably be in jail. And uh, they, they knew there was something different about us. Now, we were not, um, uh, you know, we, we had dress codes when we were in college, and they never did, they didn't teach us that for guys to wear shorts, it's an absolute sin, but there were dress codes for what you were to wear for different activities, and um, most of the time, the guy, us guys, we'd always be wearing uh, some kind of wind pants, slacks of sorts when we're out washing those cars. Just by the way that we're dressing, boy, they, they can tell there's something different about us. Man, why are you always wearing pants? You know, we wear black and blue, black pants and, and a blue shirt. And uh, and uh, that, that that would be a common question we'd be getting asked. You know, here I am waxing the car and somebody's asking me about uh, something about church, something about Jesus, something about God. Sometimes they come up with some of the craziest things. I remember there was one particular time I used to get frustrated with the guys because uh, you would get paid minimum wage plus you would get tips. And tips uh, wasn't always determined by how fancy the car was, although sometimes that was the case. Sometimes you'd get a really nasty car that would roll in, you'd spend a whole hour cleaning it out, sometimes more than an hour, and uh, you'd get a pretty nice tip in return. Uh, but these guys, they would take advantage of us. They knew that we were trying to be honest and that sort of thing, and, and uh, uh, we were trying to do what we were asked to do. If we were told to go back and vacuum and not be up in the front where we got tips, then we would go to the back without any uh, question at all. Well, these guys, you know, when given the opportunity, and they were there more than we were, they knew what kind of people rolled through there, so they learned what kind of people tip. And they, they would always seek out those cars. So you weren't supposed to have had a line, but I, I'm telling you, the parking lot was maybe about twice the size of this auditorium, but it would be packed full of cars. And there'd be about four different lines of cars, some that are curving, some that are straight, and they're all going different directions. But these guys would have their own line of cars. You know, oh, that's my car, that's my car, I'll be right there, you know. And so they'd have, it'd be one guy, he's working on one car, and he'd have four other cars that, that he's waiting to do their job, and you're thinking, what in the world? And of course, you could go and tell the boss, and he'd probably straighten it out, but that's not the right way to handle it. I remember one particular time I got frustrated with this this one fella that um, uh, he he always was, he was just that type of a guy. I mean, every time a car would come out of the car wash, he'd be looking, you know. And I remember he used to wear um, I, I I think they were just lenses because the blue in his eyes didn't even look real. It looked like cat eyes, but uh, he just had this very distinct look about him, you know. And you you'd always see him he's looking whenever the car would come through the wash. And and uh, there was one particular time he. He, he got on the car, and I can't remember exactly the details, but I, I got frustrated with the very fact that he was taking all these cars. So I just jumped on the car, and I started drying off the car, you know, as it comes out of the wash. And, and he said, hey, man, hey, that's, that's, that's my car. What are you doing? I said, no, you've got all these cars over here. And I, I started to push back at him, and boy, he sure made a scene. And let me tell you, by the time it was all said and done, was it really worth it to hurt the testimony of Christ? No, but I sure did. And boy, he got frustrated with me, and he made a big scene right out there in the parking lot in front of everyone that was there. He threw down his towel on the ground, he was stomping off, you know. And of course, I thought myself to be so much better than him, but I wasn't much better at all. I was responding just as worse in the, in the hurting of the name of Christ. Let me tell you, the testimony of Christ is so powerful. It can have such an impact on others to such an extent that 
that even the times when we don't realize it, or even the times when in our in the world's way of thinking, in the world's wisdom, it seems logically right for me to respond this way. But yet, the Bible tells us, the world looks at the things of God and says, that's foolish. It's the wisdom of God that says, I'm going to hear, I'm going to obey, and in my hearing and doing, I know that there's going to be a testimony of Christ that is seen. And it is then the third thing that we find where the Bible tells us to take heed yourself. Take heed uh, of yourself. Notice verse number 9 of uh, Deuteronomy 4. The Bible says, Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things that thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. He says this, Keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. All that God has done. And that's why, actually, if you were to continue to read the, the passage, you would find he now reviews further upon some of the things which God has done. It's in verse 10 through 19 that we find uh, the nation of Israel's experience in Sinai, uh, as is also found in Exodus chapter 19. And uh, it is in um, verse number 20 that he mentions the deliverance that they were given out of Egypt. In verse 21 through 24, it is there that, we, uh, that he makes reference to the time in which he smote the rock and water came out, and yet he smote too many times. But notice the times that he tells them to take heed. The words take heed in Scripture are in comparison to the words, Warning! <laughs> I'm warning you! Get a hold of yourself! Give attention to this! Notice the number of times he says that. Not just verse 9, but he mentions again also in verse 15. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves. For ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest ye corrupt yourselves. He says again in verse 23, Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make, uh, which he made with you, and make you a graven image, or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. Again, for sake of time tonight, maybe you go back and read it on your time, Deuteronomy chapter 4, but it is uh, from, uh, the, from verse 9 all the way till uh, verse 23 that he is continuing the thought of taking heed. And he's reviewing with them uh, to remember, to not forget, as he's already said, don't forget what God has done. In summary, it's this. Don't forget God's judgment. Don't forget God's love. Don't forget what happened when you melted down all the golden earrings and every, every ounce of gold that you had and you made a graven image. He reminds them in verse uh, number 12, he says this, And Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire, ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. That word similitude means no image or no likeness. Only ye heard a voice. I underline that phrase in my Bible because there was a time where they only heard the voice of God and they knew to obey it. And they, not, they saw no image. They saw no similitude. They saw nothing else to be as great or as powerful or as wonderful as God. You remember when, when the graven image was made, it wasn't that they were just breaking the first command of putting other gods before him. They were also breaking the second command. They were making God smaller because what did they do? You read the book of Exodus and the Bible says that they built up that calf and they said, this is the God that delivered us out of Egypt. They made another image of God. They gave the credit of God to this image. And it is here that, that, that Moses is reminding them and saying, you at one time saw no similitude. Don't forget that when you chose to disobey God that there was judgment for it. 
And then uh, that even in the midst of God's judgment, yet God has spared you and he's raised up Joshua and he's going to allow you to go into the promised land. Don't forget these things. It's really as though Moses through the book of Deuteronomy is giving his last words to the people of Israel because he knows that they'll be allowed to go into the promised land, but he'll not be able to go with them. He says, keep the commandments for a testimony. Keep the commandments uh, and hear. And he says, take heed to yourself. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. I'm reminding you. And he says that fourth thing, teach your children. Teach your children. This is the fourth that can be applied to our lives. As he says at the end of verse 9, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Proverbs 26 or 22 in verse number 6, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I believe that in more than one way, Moses is talking to who he knows to be the children of God. And he's speaking to them as children, because he's older. But he's also speaking to them knowing that they are spiritually children just the same. You're getting ready to be in a new journey. You remember, it is that Paul himself, or rather John himself, who refers to the Christian life in different stages of maturity. And he, and he talks about the young man and the child. He often refers to the Christian as children because he's speaking of their immaturity. That's why he said earlier, as we read in the book of 1 John chapter 5, that the commandments of God are not grievous. And he said time and time before then, children, children. He's saying, Christian, so you're young in the Christian life, so you're journeying in the Christian life. Moses says, teach, teach. As you have been taught by God, teach others just the same. Train up a child the way that he should go. We ourselves have much to learn, but we also have much to give. Christian, let me ask you, are you training others? You say, well, yeah, I raised four kids. I raised five kids. <laughs> I raised eight kids, seven kids. I can't even keep track of how many kids. You count all the pigs, you've got several kids, right? You may say, I've raised this number of kids. We're not talking about just your physical children. Do you have people in your life that you are seeking to invest in, to train? We talked about this uh, just this past week of, as a leader before the Lord that God would call us to, to train, to teach others also, to teach others to serve God. It is this group tonight that is so much the backbone of Community Bible Church that you hold uh, they, they, together all the, all the beliefs and, and everything that uh, that has been taught and everything that you know to be true according to God's word, you hold it not just dear to your heart, but you, you hold it uh, uh, together. That, that, and it is that that keeps this church together. But it is not that we keep what God has given to us and we keep it to ourselves, but that we should be teaching others also. Let me ask you, Christian, is there some level of ministry within Community Bible Church that you are teaching others? It doesn't have to be through your Sunday school, but maybe it, maybe it is. It doesn't have to be a Wednesday night Bible club, but maybe it should be. It doesn't have to be a nursery, but maybe it should be. Uh, maybe it should be in a whole other area entirely. I don't know. But are you seeking to teach others? The unfortunate thing is, is that um, too many times the Christian has received the truth, but we're not sharing it. We've received wisdom from God. And though we joke about wisdom being seen in our age, yet, uh, yet wisdom from God is we've been faithfully, diligently serving the Lord ourselves. And I believe I'm talking to a large majority of 
faithfully, faithfully, diligently seeking individuals who when you sought the Lord, you found Him and you've seen God bless and you've seen God work. But, but let me ask you, Christian, are you teaching? Are you teaching? It is not enough that we can just uh, get, keep gaining wisdom from God and not do anything with it. I mean, I say whether you are seasoned in life or you're young just like myself, we all can teach others. Amen? The question should be asked tonight, are we teaching others? And what can we teach others about? You know, here it is here now from verse 24 to the remainder of the chapter that I'm going to bring out to you just four verses, but um, that Moses dwells upon the character of God. Notice verse 24. He says, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. I've marked all these in my Bible. I hope that you would also. Verse 31, the Bible says, For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy nor forget uh, the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. Look at verse 35. The Bible says, Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. Verse 39. Know therefore this day, and consider it in thine heart, that the Lord, he is God. In heaven above and upon the earth beneath, there is none else. You know what now Moses is doing? He's doing the very thing which he just told them a moment ago. Now he's teaching them. <laughs> know this. Let me teach you this. Let me remind you this. Let me take it some time and tell you a little bit about how that God has worked in my life. And that's the greatest way that you can teach others. Is just share with them how that God has worked in your life. Some of the greatest influences in my life uh, are the people who took the time just to, to share with me how that God blessed. And encouraged me through their journey in the Christian life, encourage me to serve God. Let me ask you, Christian, are you doing that for others? I know I've said this before, but do you have a Timothy? Do you have someone whom you are investing in? I'm not saying that you need to uh, be a called uh, by God preacher, uh, but we are all called by God to teach others. As, as God... Um, has given his children to train and to serve the Lord. And yet we would look maybe back at, at the training of our children and say, man, I, I wish I could go back and, and, and redo that. Or I wish I, I, I had done that as a parent. Amen. Yet so much of our, if you want to say, second chance in training others is found in the spiritual investment that we make in other people. Christian, are you investing in others? Are you training others? Are you teaching others? The title of the sermon has been, If Thou Seek the Lord. If you're seeking the Lord, you're going to be hearing His commands. You're going to be doing them. And if you're truly doing them, the testimony of Christ is going to be seen to your life. And if you are hearing and doing the testimony of Christ, it's evidently seen, then you're going to be taking heed to yourself that you would keep from disobeying God. You would keep from making something an image. You would keep from idolatry and adultery before God. You see, that's what the children of Israel had done. It wasn't just idolatry, but adultery. They had broken a commitment, a promise with God. And it was uh, this, these, uh, this disobedience that uh, brought them uh, to where we know them to be later on. But uh, again, taking heed to ourselves that we, knowing who God is, and then that fourth point, if we're truly seeking the Lord, we're going to be teaching others. I think for me, it's not a matter of hearing and doing because 
uh, at some at a certain point in Christian life, as you serve the Lord, it it almost becomes an instinct. You know what I mean? If you just you, you love the Lord, you want to serve Him, you, you just do it. But the harder part is that teaching others. And we're not talking about. I'm talking to myself even even as a pastor. It's not uh, truly teaching others. Also, is not just done behind the pulpit. It, it's it's taking the time to disciple others. What is a disciple? It's a follower of Christ. As I'm a follower of Christ, so I'm teaching you also to be a follower of Christ. May God help us.